today we're getting ready to roll out the My Dry Cleaner service nationwide. We're getting the marketing website prepped and set up. We are getting everything sorted out with our dry cleaning partners, the National Cleaners Association, and we're getting making sure that all of the apps are listed on Google Assistant, Amazon Alexa, and uh, on our website at voicefirsttech.com and at our new website, voicedrycleaner.com. For my work habit today, what I've been doing is this Pomodoro method. A Pomodoro method typically is a five minute timer um, or a 30 minute timer where after the 30 minutes, you have a running side list of everything that you've been thinking of during your main timer. And then you take five minutes to attack a couple of the items on it. And it's a, it's a constantly running timer that cycles between 30 minutes on and five minutes off. I adapted it for my work so that I work for about an hour, I set the goals up ahead of time. So I work for one hour on my list of tasks. And then I take five minutes to do some physical activity and a couple seconds to record a little bit of micro content for one of our platforms. And then I go right back in and execute for another hour, trying to get another thing done. So some of the tasks I've been doing today was I had to buy the wet domain name voicedrycleaner.com. And then I had to update four of the logos so what the and then I also had to copy our website template and get the website all up and running. So for the first one I took an hour and I did that. Got voicetrycleaner.com. I ran into a couple challenges along the way, so I documented what those challenges were. Then I took the 5 minutes, did a couple push-ups, did some handstands and rolled right into updating the logos on all of our Alexa skills. I went into the amazon.developer.com, updated all of those dry cleaner skills and updated the logos. Took another five minutes to do some exercise, and I've been spending, I'd say, the past two hours working on our website template. Because just owning the domain name is only part of actually running a website. That's just owning the domain. It's like buying the plot of land to actually put your entire kingdom on. So once you've bought the domain, we use a back-end hosting site of Firebase, which for us makes it very easy to continue to deploy and update our website. Uh, Firebase is a Google service. And after I got Firebase all set up, then I started to put in the actual content. Put in our menu bar up top, put in a couple nice images, some marketing text, some menu tabs for pricing, business, about us, etc. It's the little things in setting up a business and a website that kind of get to taking a lot of time, like making sure all the links leak to the right place, making sure all the pictures are in the right place, making sure that the content and the story that you're directing your customers through actually adds value to their experience of coming to your website. Just did another couple rounds on Pomodoro. This time, just finished physical. We did some push-ups and some sit-ups. We set up automated deployments so that every time we push changes up to our Bitbucket repository, our automated pipeline goes and runs some tests, runs a check, and then runs a command Firebase deploy to automatically update our website. What this helps us with is rather than having one person who needs to run the Firebase deploy command to update the website locally, now what we do is rather than sharing that access to the Firebase server, we just need to give people access to our Bitbucket repository. They make a pull request, give us some new changes to our code for the website, and then the Bitbucket repository. <laughs> Give me five seconds to catch my breath. All right, so we make a change to the website locally. We can then just push a commit up to our Bitbucket repository. 
merge that branch into master, and then Bitbucket will automatically run Firebase Deploy to update our website in Firebase from the Bitbucket repository. So our developers don't need to worry about how to publish or how to deploy or anything that has to do with the website. All they have to do is update the code and then push their changes to Bitbucket and Bitbucket does the rest. Automated deployments. Our first chance at automated deployments was using GitHub and with GitHub, they have an integration partner with Travis CLI or Travis Command Line Interface. In Bitbucket, they don't have an external third-party service. Automated deployments are handled right inside of Bitbucket's main website. You go to a little tab inside of your repository called Pipelines, and when you click on Pipelines, it gives you, you get to select what language you want to make your backend automated deployments in. So we pick Node.js, and then inside of the Node.js code, we've got a couple NPM commands. So the only things I had to do to modify it were I had to create an environment variable that had my Firebase token. That way it's got authentication to actually deploy to my Firebase server. Then we updated a couple of the NPM commands. The first one we added was to install the node package of Firebase. And after that, we just ran Firebase deploy, which goes ahead and deploys our website for us. Now that automated deployments are done, next thing we're gonna do is go back through Google Assistant and we're gonna republish some of the apps that Google Assistant uh, declined for us. We started to realize that Google Assistant is much harder at critiquing applications that get published on the Google Assistant directory, whereas Amazon Alexa is much more lenient at allowing any app to go through. I think the reason for that is that on Alexa, you can have a million cat apps with the name cat app, and how Alexa discriminates that is based off of which one a customer enables. So you have to enable an app. On Google Assistant, there can only be one app named cat app. And once that domain is claimed, anybody with a Google Assistant can say launch cat app and it gives that skill. So this is why Alexa has a lower bar to entry is because with Alexa, you can have a million apps with the same name. So it doesn't matter if there's another cat app in there, but on Google, they're much more particular about making sure that who does get through is the owner of that intellectual property of that domain so that when someone owns it, they are actually supposed to be the ones that should own Catfax or that should own Target or that should own Nike. They're making sure that the owners of the intellectual property are the actual ones who are representing that brand in the domain. One of our developers just brought up an issue that they're ha he's having trouble uh, logging data from our apps to Firebase because Amazon requires us to use DynamoDB. I asked him, does Dynamo, does Amazon require us to use Dynamo? He responded, exactly, or it won't take timestamps. I've got it to the point we can send full orders into Firebase, but without the date, those data can't be used efficiently. And so my question to Pat is, how do we get around this issue where Amazon wants us to use their database and Google wants us to use their database because we'd like to centralize all our data in one place? That's an amazing question. Using the Jovo framework so that way we can publish one app backend and get both Alexa and Google. Jovo has built in with it integrations with DynamoDB. So a lot of the objects and a lot of the function calls that they have are related directly to DynamoDB. However, the problem that we're running into right now is related to timestamps. The only reason he needs DynamoDB 
is because of how he's trying to get timestamps. The functions that he's calling to get timestamps use the DynamoDB objects in Jovo's framework. It's not the only way to get timestamps, though. There's also this regular object in JavaScript called date. If you just look up in a regular Google window JavaScript date, you'll find an easy object to actually use that will create a date for you, and that will allow us to go around any of these DynamoDB problems. It's going to make this process a lot faster. Welcome to the Voice First weekly recap. Uh, every week we have a meeting and we recap our goals that we set last week, if we accomplish them, and then we set new goals for next week. Uh, this is the first one that we recorded on the podcast. So we were trying to reach 200 on Instagram. We wound up getting up to 180. Our plan is to share more of the projects that we're working on and what our team is up to. Uh, LinkedIn, uh, our goal is to get to 40. Right now we're at 33. Facebook, we were trying to get 250, and we got 269, so we were able to reach that goal, which is awesome. On Twitter, we were trying to get 200. We're at 168, so we're on our way growing there. If you ever do have questions about voice apps or the projects that we're working on, you guys can feel, feel free to reach out to us there. And uh, YouTube, we were just one short of our goal of 50. We are now at 49 followers. That's where we share a lot of content, where we have conversations about voice and the implications it's going to have on the future. Um, we also updated all of our information in our social media bios. We initially were a 501c, but since then have decided to create both a 501c and a for-profit business with the initiative of teaching as many people as possible to create voice apps so that the voice future can become a reality and hopefully improve a lot of people's lives. Our uh, Udemy update is completed, and we have seven new ads that are going to be rolling out on Facebook, each to advertise our Udemy course to teach people how to create voice apps on Google Home and Amazon Alexa. So we're going to be reaching out to a lot of programmers on Facebook. My goals were to test the growable, my dry cleaner, house cleaner, and hotel assistant apps on Google and Alexa. I was to make sure that they were all tested and working and posted on on Alexa Developer Console and Dialogflow. Um, Pat helped me test those. Um, in fact, he did most of the work. Uh, we got those testing and then submitted to the store. We're having issues with a few on the Google store because they do not allow scheduling of appointments, but they allow purchasing of services. So they don't allow like scheduling of services, but they allow purchasing of services. Also to on Upwork, seek out the people that we have done work for, built voice apps for, and have them review us so that we can have a better rating and more reviews on Upwork. Um, I got one review, I think, in return. On, I don't think I know. Um, and the others were not responding. Besides that, um, scheduling and maintaining our meetups, Friday Night Hack Nights, and Saturday Developer Sessions. Um, that's it. So last week for me, I, my first goal was to get Dawn, our dry cleaning partner with the National Cleaners Association, to get her to forward all emails about Amazon developers to our head developer of our dry cleaner project, who is Zach. 
I was able to get that one done. I just messaged Dawn. On top of messaging her to tell her to do it, I also sent her a link of a tutorial that walked her through step by step how she was actually going to go and do it. That way, rather than just telling her to do a thing, I physically walked her through it, which just removed any of the barriers that she could possibly have to stop her from doing what we needed to remove friction and to do better business faster. The second task that I had for this past sprint was to get the chatbots up on Facebook. We've got a chatbot for Facebook. We've actually got multiple chatbots for Facebook now. And I added on a couple other integrations besides Facebook, like our website and the ability to call. Dialogflow is our backend for our chatbots. And what Dialogflow allows us to do is have a lot of integrations like Twitter, um, Facebook, Google, phone call, Cortana, Alexa, and then we can package that up and ship it out using Dialogflow really quick and seamlessly. The Twitter bot, I didn't get that one, and the only reason Twitter bot didn't get done is because when I, our, our Twitter account does not have developer access. I need to go and message Twitter and get us developer access. When I first set up our Twitter account, I put our birthday as 2018 in June, and Twitter came back and said, hey, you're too young to have a Twitter account. And they blocked us for like a full month. And when I finally got it up, now we're still blocked on the developer side. So I need to message Twitter again, tell them, hey, we're not actually six months old. We're actually like, I, I run this and I'm 22. So we, we should have developer access. And the last one, chat website, chat service on the website. I did go and I got the chat bot up on the website. So if you go to voicefirsttech.com and you scroll down a little bit, you will see our chatbot. Go ahead and give it a message. Ask them about what we do. Ask them about the projects we're working on. And uh, if you've got any feedback, please leave us a voice message. Recently, we have been getting bigger into using the voice messages. So if you send us a voice message, we'll include you on the podcast and we'll respond to you. And you can hear us on whatever platform you're hearing with your message. Come and be on the Voice First team. Send us a voice message. Hey, we actually just got a voice message from Grow Tech Radio. So without further ado, I'm going to introduce them, put them on, and let's see what they've got. Uh, where they can continue to make a portion of the profit, and we can also make a portion of the profit. We have a longer deal rather than it just being a one-off. Except where it's typically one-off. Gotcha. You know? How are you doing your uh, content marketing, like from a video standpoint? On Upwork? Or on, on Udemy? No, on... I'm I'm thinking from strictly a business development standpoint. Mm -hmm. How are you? What your sales like? What ways are you using social media to drive sales? Right now, social media is being used to advertise all of our products um, and show all of our day to day. Uh, it, Facebook and Instagram ads are driving traffic to our Udemy channel, and that generates. I don't know what percentage of our Udemy traffic that would be a good uh, number to know. You said Udemy didn't tell you. I think that's it, it says how many it, it shows us a bar graph. I don't think it doesn't give us an exact number. Right, but we can't like see how many are coming from facebook.com, right? We can see how many are coming from outside sources. Right, right, right. But that's about it. We can see But most of, we can discriminate the traffic of who's being directed from Udemy promotions, who's being directed you know, from Udemy emails, who's being directed from natural Udemy traffic who is being directed from outside sources. It would be funny to map out when we went from, we went from being just a regular course on Udemy that someone put out to a hot new course that, like we got labeled a hot new course. And now we're a bestseller. Yeah. I wonder how much that affects our exposure. A lot? Yeah. Okay, Abe, what did you do as far as social media and content marketing in your last venture? Um, 
I mean, I had influencers, so it was like easy for me. Oh, really? Just leverage their following. And then... mm. I've had some people tell me that that's what we need to do is, right now we're pushing on the dry cleaners. There's there, We're having this push where we're saying, hey, dry cleaners, use this and tell your customers about it. Mm. We're, we're having the system get set up, but we're not creating that demand from the consumers. By partnering with an influencer and having them talk about, dude, I get my laundry done by talking to Alexa, and they put out a YouTube video showing them using our product. Then the millions of people that watch their videos are all asking their dry cleaners, why aren't you guys on this platform? And it creates the, the demand from the consumer side asking the dry cleaners, in addition to us using the dry cleaner and using Dawn's network of dry cleaners to, to be like, hey, you guys should use this having the customers ask the dry cleaners, why aren't you already using this? Okay. You know, yeah. like customers uh, want, they see the influencers using that service and they want to use dry it. Cleaning? Is dry cleaning usable in New York? City? Yes, that's actually, one of our customers right now is out of New York. New York City, mm -hmm. okay. Upper East Side? They released uh, the National Cleaners Association after we had the alpha done. Okay. They released an email to all dry cleaners in the New York area in a newsletter. Yeah. In the past four days, they've gotten 25 dry cleaners that have called wanting to get the service. Gotcha. Our developers don't know how big the things that they're building actually are. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm not realizing what's the, that. What's the, for voice, what's the biggest, uh, what's the most valuable industry for it? Real estate. Real estate. What's the most valuable industry for smartphones, do you think? What do you think? I think that's a pretty that's a pretty sim similar question. Smartphones, listen, smartphones or apps, a f yeah. iPhone app. What is the most valuable industry for an iPhone app? E-commerce, right? I don't know. You would say probably maybe say Amazon or wow. it's like What if they don't even know what it's going to be in 20 years? It's like VR companies where you like spend all your time. This is fat. This is more than VR. This is better than VR. Voice. Because it's well, easy. Voice can be incorporated it's so into much VR. easier. Yeah. The thing, it's the like, yeah. thing like the yeah. reason I asked that question is because it's a similar question to what industry are smartphones the best for? We don't really know every industry. Like I mean, so at I guess moment, I ask, at the moment, which industry yes. is adopted the most? Is it real estate? No, I would say home, hotel, e-commerce, Amazon. I would say hotel? we need to answer these questions. These are good questions. Mm -hmm. The reason we chose music. Right now, music. Yeah. Spotify. Yeah. Apple Spotify, Music. Yeah. No, 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 no. I'm talking about like, all right. Going forward. The, like, the, I'm looking at the, the, the dry cleaning as an industry. It is. Okay. Like, which industry from a business standpoint has adopted voice the most? Music. E-commerce. E yeah, music. But the only reason is because it's so easy. They really have not adopted it. There's no... It's, I would say companies that are doing IOT, there's, there's, there's really, we don't have an answer. And that's a question we need to answer. You know? Yeah. The reason we chose dry cleaner and we chose house cleaner and we chose growable is access to the customer. We have a professor at Ohio State University for growable. We have a dry cleaner. We have a lady on the board of dry cleaners of the United States that is basically telling everyone about it. And then we also have a house cleaner, which is a very similar app to dry cleaner. And we know someone that owns a house cleaning business in Cleveland and at Los Angeles. Voice is in a very young state where any industry that can be impacted by voice has not. The killer app for those industries haven't been created. And you can program this for anything. When, 
when you look so clean easy. on the Alexa skill store, you will see my dry cleaner, which is our app. You will yeah. see champion dry cleaner, which is our app. You will see Jay's dry cleaner, which is our app. You will, and then the next five listings are all our apps. We dominated industry by being in there for less than a week. It's and a, it's are a you creating a generalized one or is it personalized for every client? It's generalized. The only thing, what gets personalized for each client is the name of, Gotcha. We just okay. swap out the name of the dry cleaner. We swap out a couple of the back end things. For voice, now I'll tell you an issue that we're having Very to generic. develop. The DevOps side, for every app that we create, mm -hmm. we have to submit it new. We have to change the name of the dry cleaner. Well, what happens when we have 1,500 dry cleaners and we need to do an update? So. The next step for Voice First V2 is how do we make this one app with all dry cleaners on it, basically? How do we make it easier to update? I think is a better, because my mind's starting to go, how can we leverage yes. Bitbucket automated deployments to yes. have Bitbucket push all of those updates yes. for us? Because we could have just one edit me with all of the dry cleaner names and stuff, and then it would just make a separate app for each one, and then it would probably, but it would have to deploy to all the Lambdas, because you have to mm -hmm. upload the Lambda manually no there's but, a command line command okay to upload the yes Lambda. so guess, we, we yes. could have that automated in a, yeah in a so that's the next step but um, maybe the next step is maybe we do need to put it all in one app but i i think we should just abstract that comment to say yeah. how we make this scalable did you see yes exactly scalable did you see what zach morgan said in the in the uh slack or no was it today no remember when i posed that question and then zach kind of responded he had a good answer mm -hmm. remember you said that okay you saw it yeah, that was, he said we should have one app. I don't know, yeah. I Ooh, guess, we'll which review. industries are, is Am, are people already buying like Amazon Alexa for? Music. And Google Home. They Music. are buying it for their homes because it's a fun thing to have. You can check the weather, but you can order your groceries. E-commerce, I would say e-commerce. Amazon.com, biggest industry. Okay. I don't think you that know? anybody's bought them for their businesses yet. Gotcha. They have, yeah. they so have. You guys, are, that's what you're trying to do, okay. Dude, I've been getting so many ads for the, um, there is an office assistant that it records your, which I've been meaning to get, but it does not worth anything if I don't execute on it. It records all of your uh, business meetings and I've been getting Facebook ads for it. So that would be like an example of businesses adopting it. But to say there's one industry above all that has adopted voice is probably above us. But um, which hotel chain signed a deal with Amazon? Um, Marriott. Marriott. So Marriott. Best Western and the Win in Las Vegas. So, so five thousand out of like maybe, um, I would say five thousand out of thirty thousand hotel locations in the United in the world or in the United States okay. are signed on with Amazon. Gotcha. So the other hotels, but we were trying to break into hotels, but we were not having success. There were what was the problems with those? The contact points weren't responding well. Maybe part sales problem, but we had customers in dry like cleaner. People using them. We we were only contacting people that were in charge. They had no Alexas. We were coming to them and cold approaching them, and they were not, there was a good somewhat good reception. But you know what? We were like we have a dry cleaner that is on the board of all dry cleaners. And we can make this app. Why are we not focusing on this? Yeah. Like, like what will drive revenue the fastest? In so my that's opinion, why we focus on the reason that we stopped focusing on hotel was the, <laughs> the, the, the cost that we needed to put in 
to give them all the hardware that they needed. Yeah. For the big selling point we were telling for hotels was you save money through energy savings by making them smart hotels. And the voice control of all that makes it so you don't have to deal with a bunch of apps, you're, you're dealing with it through voice. The costs of putting all the smart equipment in to buy a smart thermostat nest, to buy the Alexas, to buy smart lights, to buy smart blinds, to buy the smart microwave, a smart TV. Yeah. We were looking at somewhere between $800 and $1,000 per so, room. Okay, if I were to call a hotel and ask for, um, ask for a towels, walk me through that process now of how it works. So not through am not through voice, but I'm saying walk me through the process. Does it go from phone call to the front office? They then send it to somebody in house cleaning. So if you're the house cleaning person they would be like, Hey Google, like what are my assignments? For yeah, this? yeah, I'm not, saying not walk me Google. through the walk me through the current steps of What does a hotel currently do is what he's asking. When, a, when someone calls Someone out. has to go either walk down to the front desk and say something. Okay. Or I guess, I mean, you can call. Pick up I, the phone. I, I think the answer to your question to is someone picks up the phone. They say, front desk, hey, I need towels. And then, then front, front desk. And then front desk calls, calls maintenance. If, depending on the size of the hotel, okay. if it's a small hotel, they go and run the towels to them themselves at the front desk. And they put up a little placard okay. that says, I'll be back in 10 minutes. If... They are a larger hotel and they have hundreds of rooms. They have a maintenance staff that's on 24 seven. Gotcha. So they'll just shoot that wait staff. Hey, go deliver the towels to this room and then they'll go do that. But towels are usually delivered when the person leaves the room in the middle of the day or et cetera. Yeah. A better just, example is food. anything. Yes. I'm looking at like so. And so that was a high, that's, that's a highly complicated app. Not highly complicated, but it's an app that needs a lot of approval, a lot of bureaucracy in the hotel. When we had someone on the board of all dry cleaners in the United States saying, hey, build us this app and I can get more no, dry cleaners on this app. I understand I'm that. I'm just looking at like... Yes, just on He's talking about the infrastructure and the cost that it would... Uh, mm -hmm. The overhead to make everything in a hotel smart. Yeah, I'm exactly. just saying fix that process. Yeah, exactly. Like you can reduce friction on that process. But then how do we quantify like, the money we're saving? Utilize there? already habits that people use in a hotel... And just look at ways how how can my product reduce friction. Agreed. And, and, how and now that now, since we backed off of that and we we doubled down on dry cleaning and we doubled down on house cleaning. Yeah. I'm thinking, well, why don't we sell our dry cleaning product to hotels? Because they do laundry in hotels. Yeah. What like why wouldn't they want to use us? Yeah. And same thing with house cleaning. Yeah. Have them instead of just waiting for the house cleaning service, they can just have say, hey, my room's dirty, it needs cleaned, and then. Yeah. So we can leverage some of these micro services that we've been building. And then sell those as individual packages to a hotel. We haven't pursued those yet because okay. we're we have so much demand on just giving it to dry cleaners and giving yeah. it to to house cleaners. I see that on the roadmap. I think hotels. We we went in round one, and now we're backing out. We're taking a recovery, and when we go in next time, it's going to be double the force. Hotels make yeah. There's a lot of money in hotels, and the, a lot of hotels are still advertising. We have an iHome in every single room. Mm -hmm. When I see that, it makes me laugh. Because it's like iHomes are such outdated technology right now. Yeah, they did used to be cool. It was. Do you agree that it was nice when you yeah, used to yeah. go into a hotel room and you saw this nice little iHome that you could yeah. dock your iHome in? Yeah. Or your, your iPhone? But like now, to be able to tell a guest, hey, when you walk in, you tell Alexa to play your July 2018 playlist and she knows your Amazon account already and knows your Spotify playlist, yeah. 
it's like walking into your own home. Yeah. Because Alexa already knows all Especially of your preferences. For business travelers, like, I guess the biggest you can get a business traveler do. account. You just have your business traveler account with like any airline or hotel. Yeah. You have your business traveler account with hotels, which is major business for. With with hotels, the biggest thing too is, like, if you were to do that, quantifying how much time it would save the front desk. Yep. And what else they could do with that time. So then once you take that and you have that equation and you have that mapped out, then, because they have to invest in these, uh, in buying these Google Homes and Amazon Alexa, mm-hmm. right? Yes, they do. So if you're able to create a bottom line where they have, they're still in the green, they're making money then doing it. you're good. But you just have to solve that problem for them. So just get the black well, like even if, like I know Roger, I can hit him up. They're one of the websites like, that say we still have hit a, him up. an eye home. Hit him up. I don't know how much influence he has, but I can hit him up. Hit him up, bro. And you just we have a demo. Just test through there. We have a demo. We could. Where's your? I guess your phone's recording the podcast, but let me see. Will it work on a general store? I don't think we have a hotel assistant demo that works, and it is a demo of ordering towels, ordering most things from the front desk, and then also ordering food, getting Wi-Fi info. So we have a demo app. We just had a issue with like sale. It was a sales issue. Yeah, our sales guys pushed back and they said, hey, we want to sell a different app. Yeah, so we're like, they didn't see the vision with voice or with hotel. So if you see the vision with hotel, bro, that's it like- It makes a lot of sense. It's all you, yes, exactly. What's the biggest, what, why does it make sense to you? What, what is it about hotels? It's like voice is gonna be there. It's inevitable. Just because of the reduction of friction. Like there should be no need for me to call when I can just talk to something and then have it register straight to the, straight to the um, uh, house cleaning. Right to the or, right to the the or, room or service lady. Or, yeah. Or or man, the person who's doing yeah. service. You skip to their steps. phone. Yeah. To their phone. Exactly. I you say I want towels. You're just yes. skipping a step. It's like you, Uber, anytime you can disrupt the middleman and take the middleman out, you should. Like Uber realized, wow, your phone already knows where you're located. Unlike taxi services that say, hey, where do you want to be picked up when you call? Uber's like, well, we already have their location. We already have their name. We already have their credit card info. They realized that they could eliminate those middlemen exactly. and just be like, hey, we're just going to connect you with a ride immediately and it's going to be just so much faster than a taxi. Exactly. Now, our question is, my question is, our, we have pushback a lot on hotel from like people that were trying to break into it and trying to contact people, mm-hmm. how would you quantify? Do you think that it would be enough to tell them that we are eliminating the middleman, or would we have to quantify it before that they would buy in? So, example, mm-hmm. how do I quantify the time that it saves someone from calling the front desk and then yeah. the front desk telling someone, and then the lady saying it's like people who work in the hotel industry, mm-hmm. they don't have time to onboard new things unless there's data and they know for sure, sure. that that's going to be a benefit yeah yes. it's their job that's why you test for it's difficult yeah. too if someone goes to the front desk and no one's there and then they never go to that hotel again how yeah. do we even track that yeah i'm with um but you're right it's like you have to come up with a physical number so that the person who works at that hotel thinks oh well i'm losing money by not yeah. having a voice device in all my exactly yeah. if you're able to do that and 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 quantify how much time it saves. I'm good, thank you. Yeah, anytime you can save money, people money or time, or, or time, you gotta, they're gonna buy something. Time and attention are people's most valuable assets. That's it. 
Agreed. It's just heavy testing on that end. But also, I would you you quantify it at different ranges because the reason hotels are the certain stars they are is because of the experience they have. Mm -hmm. Yes. So you need to quantify what a one star, two star, three star, four star. Type. Right. Like, how would you walk into a five star hotel and not see a smart speaker sitting right there, mm -hmm. where you could activate everything that the hotel does for you? Because exactly. It just takes less time. Yeah. And then also the other aspect of it is on the consumer end. So uh, the big thing is having a display or, or a little one pager that can explain what this product can do so that then they can adopt it. Because this is new to them. All the little things they'd have to say to activate the things that you could do it's with it. Yeah, yeah, that's what we had in mind. It was yeah. sort of like a, in the way that you would have like a TV card, it would be the same thing, but it would be like, you know, hey Google or yeah. Alexa, order me a pound of wings yeah. and a beer. And it would exactly. be able to do that. Exactly. And that's why you, yeah, you, the biggest thing is just to test it. Once you can get it in one hotel and pilot it, you're good. Dry cleaning companies should start doing extensive case studies. On a, get get more data on everybody that's using it. Yeah, on how much. Guess how big the industry is if if you're just thinking of a number in your head. Nine billion. Eleven. Holy shit! How'd you ah, do that? Get up. <laughs> <laughs> wow. It's down though. I'm good. I think here's why. Do you think people still do their own laundry? <laughs> New Albany people. I think in the suburbs, yeah. Do you think they're going to in 10 years? Um, millennials. What if something could pick it up for them? Wouldn't that be pretty, like, wouldn't that be cool if someone like... I don't know if it's going to be around in 10 years. That's what we're creating. Yeah. Yeah. We're kind of planning 10 years, 5, 10 years in advance right now. <laughs> well, we're hoping to make it now. We have, yes. the, we, we are, we have the infrastructure. It's... Like here, right? Ne these next two weeks with Don, we're gonna have a lot of dry cleaners joining on and paying a lot of money. Well, maybe on the, I can okay. see like our generation. This is not a washer or dryer your house because you just hit your like you just say, or hey Google, come get my laundry, and it comes and gets a massive pack for you. Yeah. Although, the way most people, something we found when we were going and talking to dry cleaners is that the way that most dry cleaners operate is that they make you pay per pound. And there's mm. like a minimum, it'll be like 10 pounds or something like that. 10 pounds of laundry. Which is a lot. I'm, I, I see it as just a no-brainer when, when there's parents, when we become parents, yeah. and the mom or the dad does not want to do the laundry, so she's just like, wait, I can pay like 10 bucks and have someone pick up my laundry, do it all, mm. and then just give it back to me? Mm. Okay, where do I sign? Take my money. Yeah. People, people just get, you, you said it, saving people time and saving the money and yeah. saving a household, that kind of time and that kind of money. Honestly, now, as I was saying that right there, it makes me realize that maybe someday yeah. people don't need to have washers and dryers in their houses. Well, I also look at like... It's expensive. They're, they're expensive. I look at transportation too. And we move around a lot. Like we travel a lot, so... Like as millennials, we like to oh, travel. Oh, as a generation, yeah, you think we, travel we like a to lot? travel. Oh yeah, and just where things are heading towards with, you know, Hyperloop is going to be around. Yeah, give it a few ten more years. Yeah, Hyperloop will the be speed here. limits like, around like 50, 70 years ago. The speed limits were a lot lower. No yeah, we won't be. We'll see how like, these domestic out. things that we do, cleaning and stuff, that won't be 
that'll all be done. For we're in the time-saving business, like, bro. Yeah, we're gonna. We're in the time-saving business. Yeah. Voice is time-saving because if I am studying and yeah. I want to know what a homeoplasia is, all I have to do is say, "Okay, Google, what is a homeoplasia?" I don't have to leave my note cards. I don't have to go on Google because of the tension span of me. If I go on Google and search it, it's gonna take me forever to find it. It finds it for me. Yeah. And I think like. What are some of the most annoying things? Okay, so hard, voice hardware is mostly where? The very small smart speakers. No, mostly in what locations? What kind of customers uh, are buying them? Uh, bedrooms and people's homes. Homeowners. Yeah, people who are buying the products. <coughs> but as we saw, the biggest use of assistance is in the car. Yeah, okay. People use now that are already built into their yes. phone. Because all Android phones have the Google Assistant built into them. All Apple phones have Siri built in. Okay, my point is... The Amazon Shopping app has Alexa built in on day one. Okay. So you open up the Amazon yes. Shopping app and we're, then you can we're, use... We're getting away from what I want to say. Okay, there's a lot of voice hardware in houses. Yeah. What in your house is the annoying thing that you have to do that really does not make you a smarter person? It doesn't make you a more in-shape person? It doesn't help you physically, emotionally, or socially. I would say cleaning the house. Lights. Turning on lights. And doing laundry. In your house. So Those take up the most time. Yeah, I'm thinking doing dishes. Doing dishes is something dishes that nobody too. likes to do. That, that's what? hard. House cleaner. That's what house cleaner is. Rather than judge whether or not an idea is hard or not. Cleaning the house, yeah. Doing the laundry, yeah. Uh, turning on and off lights. Saving and maintaining energy. Like managing, managing the resources that your house is using. Those all sound like tasks that nobody wants to do. No, dude. My, my parents don't manage the energy that is going into their house. Besides my dad yelling at everyone to turn off the lights. But do you have a nest? Okay, that's true. If you gave him a nest, yeah. I bet he would love it. When I gave my dad a nest, he looked at that data all the time because he can see you know where what the I want to do. Are. He can see where the machine turns on and then says, "Hey, let's turn down the heat a little bit." He so loves that money savings, bro. Like it says on the package, every moment the device that pays for itself. I was like, "Wow, what a great yep, what a great tagline." Okay, so for me, like. My, the, the thing I love to do is learn or whatever, work for voice first. The thing my dad loves to do is to save a buck. If he could see all visually, all the money he's saving by turning off all the lights, like one, we, you put smart lights everywhere. Two, if he can see all that savings by him seeing, saying, okay, Alexa, turn off all lights in the entire house. How much would he love that? How much would it be, do you think? If you had the savings. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. But he just that control, that power. Maybe it's not the power. I mean, maybe it's not the control. It's the power. Being able, you know, because he's always he's always yelling at everyone to turn off the lights in the house. Okay. Anyways, back to the point that the two most annoying things that you have to do at your house maybe is yard work, doing the laundry, and cleaning the house. 
Some people, you know, you can enjoy those things. Those things are fine. But I'm saying for the busy, anyways. All of those are things that can Point be used made. in the gig economy, which is another intersection that's right now. Yeah. Lawn mowing, gig economy. Uh-oh. House cleaning, gig economy. Dry yep. cleaning, gig economy. Yeah. Food delivery. Like, dishes, a little less gig economy. Yep. And the gig economy is part of the fourth industrial revolution. And a big part of the fourth industrial revolution is people finding a way to do things that didn't exist in the past and one of those things is like delivering food to people something that you can do when you have spare moments ah that's a good point because a lot of people think that robots are going to take their jobs but i think they'll create even more than we could have had in the past uh-huh jump in i don't think yeah robots will be complimentary robots have been stealing jobs since the seventh like Probably way before any year that I yeah. actually know. Yeah. They'll take probably low-level jobs and cut them out, but I don't think... And then they create so many more jobs up up for, but, for okay. new things to be done. So, yes. Drop shippers. Yes. How long ago about, is that, did, was that term actually created? Okay. Drop shippers. Think Amazon about... Marketplace. Yeah, that's not even a five-year-old term, maybe. Well, no, no, no. CJ was doing drop shipping like seven years yeah, ago. Like before years. it was drop shipping. Mm-hmm. He was doing drop shipping on eBay. Anyways, um, we see that robots haven't really replaced humans in the past, but also, look at the trend of AI. Have you got, do you guys follow OpenAI on Twitter? No. That might be a new thing to follow, uh, because they're training, what's the game? It's a, it's, oh my gosh, I can't believe, Moctezuma's Revenge, mm-hmm. pretty sure is the game. They're, they trained it to, they trained it to curiosity. So things that it didn't, places that it didn't discover, it would go to, okay? Now, when you think about a person in a video game playing, I'm gonna go discover the places I don't know. Okay, that's really simple, but think about the game, the picture of the game on the TV. All of that is ones and zeros. Now imagine an AI exploring the ones and zeros that you see visually, but those are just ones and zeros. Sure. So the fit, okay. So we went from I hear you. What's, what's 1998. You know whatever. Th- think about the capabilities of technology then. Now it's 18, 19, 20 years later. Look where we are, dude. We have the computers, like figuring out things they don't know. Curiosity, like what? Do you get what I'm saying? It's a trend. The trend. If we have a one percent increase in AI development in the next 100 years, 1% a year, like imagine what we'll have. It's I just think, a trend line. You know, think, it's just a trend line. I agree. I think that's great. I think that them answering those questions, saying, hey, you don't have to dry clean or do laundry anymore, frees people up to not talk about it, not think about it. In that oh, collective yeah. human brain oh, power yeah. goes towards creating something new, more, random, crazy yes. things. Yes. People who. How many escape rooms exist out there in yeah, the world? How exactly. many of those were created as a result of people not having to farm nine to five yes, every single day yes. of the year? Dude, it's so great. Like people think that technology is going to like destroy their lives, like 1984, which is good to have that in mind. But think of all of the things that we can do once technology just like makes everything easier. What were you gonna say, Abe? I think um, from the standpoint of technology, like if you look at our parents' generation versus how we utilize it. I think we have we are starting to abuse technology. Ah yes. In that Agreed. It's become entertainment more so than the speed of information that we're able to 
receive. Like our parents and generations before had to, if they had something they wanted to find out, they had to go pick out books and search for them. Think about how much time that took and how much technology now today, like Google, we're able to answer, is able to answer questions for us in microseconds. Do you think the people would have said the same thing 10 years ago to say, people used to have to go down and write a letter and put it in the mailbox, and now everybody today uses this phone that's connected to their walls? Mm-hmm. It's cr- I feel like people have been saying that forever. And I feel like yeah, people yeah. 10 years from now are going to be saying, can you believe that people actually drove to the yeah. store to pick up their yeah. food? Can you believe that people actually cleaned their own houses? Mm. That's what my cousin says now. She is a mother of two, family of four. Yeah. She doesn't go grocery shopping. They deliver it to her doorstep. Well, okay, maybe she goes and picks it up still, though. Yeah. She just picks it up because then that makes your diet easier. What the wealthy are doing today is a prediction of what the rest of yes. people are going to do once it becomes cost-effective yeah, for the sure, rest of the world to do sure. it. What Voice is doing is that, <clears throat> you know the way uh, Mark Zuckerberg and Steve Jobs... They wear the same clothes every day, and I, obviously a lot of other people. It's because you have decision fatigue. And so, when you have voice to eliminate decision fatigue, even of just grocery shopping, because you could just do it from your house. You're, you're literally in your kitchen, you have a notebook, and you're like, okay, I want this, this, mom's coming over for tomorrow, uh, gonna have spaghetti, meatballs, blah, blah, blah. All those decisions that you don't have to drive to the store, you don't have to take a left, then take a right, it's just mind blowing. Decide whether to turn much. down the aisle or skip past. Ev, anything that Decide you do. Look up at yes, the anything you do between the fridge and the grocery store is you don't have to make those decisions. And you can see all the items on the yes. internet. Okay, bring this or home. You can ask yeah. Device. To bring this home, that's like now we can spend all this time on like better things for society, or you know what, just not working. How about not trying to be, you know, like robots? You know what I'm saying? Everyone's like, oh, we could do produce more. Or maybe you just, like, relax more, you know? I don't think that'll happen. Mm. No? no, no. I, I think back in the 60s, we started to be at the point where people people were, have been saying in the 60s, we're going to get to this technology where nobody's going to have to work. And now people are working more than ever. People are putting in more than 40-hour weeks. Yeah. People are like, when, when do we actually separate from work and not work? I, we live in a world where it's so easy to have our basic necessities, to be able to have a roof over our heads, to be able to have the food that we need, yeah. to be able to have the food that we need, to be able to have every single... What, what are the base necessities? Maslow's hierarchy of needs. What, what is it? You need food, shelter, shelter you need water. Is, is that it? Is that it? I don't know about Maslow's, but there's more. Like You need to be taught. Like, you need to be... Just like hugged, you need to be literally touched. You need to be touched as a human. Stuff like that is getting easier than ever too. But so, so the fact that we we can accomplish all those tasks easier than ever, but people are still working more hours than ever. I don't, I don't think that it's also enabling a lot of people to live lifestyles where they are working like two hours a day because they have robots working Mm -hmm. for them, doing all of their drop shipping and all of their podcasts and all of their everything. It's just it's run by robots and passively generates money. It invests all their money in the market. It picks their kids up from school with Uber. It takes them to and from getting groceries and pays their electric bill. Thanks. Maslow's hierarchy at the bottom is physiological and then right above that is safety, right above that is love and belonging, and then esteem and self-actualization. Hmm. So I think self-actualization is what, like a, you imagining something and then you making it happen? 
that and just like I your feel perception. like becoming the person who you have within yourself. Oh, bro, that's powerful. Yeah, it's that's like you know, there's the realization or fulfillment of before they need that. It's uh, the realization or fulfillment of one's talents and potentialities, especially considered as a drive or need present in everyone, dude. That I didn't read into that. Like, when I read those, I read those and I was like, oh, that's cool. But, like, if you actually think about what's up, dude. If you think about each one of those and how you can apply those in your life, like you will be like the most advanced human. You'll be good. You know, like that's what you need. It's instructions. Just do them. So making a hard turn, coming back to you've heard yeah, a little bit about turn. us. What do you think we're missing? Yeah. What, what, where do you think we're failing right now? Where are you like they 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 literally good don't question. know shit. They're totally missing all of this. Yeah. Yeah. In this conversation. No, it was just. Of everything you've seen of us, because you've been to a few hack nights, yeah. so, you know, you see that a little bit, you know, you've seen... This isn't the whole team, this is one of, we usually meet yeah. and we, we go around and it's much more, honestly, goal-focused. Bro, the more people we bring into the scene, the better. We have to remember that. Okay, so, what do we need, dude? Uh, I haven't analyzed, like, the team enough to yeah. be able to tell you, but I just think what you're doing is great, and yeah. you're leading it, and the way you guys are able to get products up fast, and... And, and it seems like you guys have a great customer experience from listening to, yeah. uh, you know, the goals that you had yeah. and you beat them out. But you, I would say, like, with your um, other stuff on social media, just LinkedIn, like, all right, you had, you had your goal was 40 and you had 33. Uh, why was that? And how can you address that yeah. moving forward? Week yeah. to week? And then also, I just think um, having... I don't. I haven't seen the company, but internally, I just think that's the thing that can kill you. Really? Um, I don't know. Do you guys have a culture? Have you guys established like your cultural principles or anything like that? How would a company establish a culture? You, it's contingent on you. Oh. So, as a company, what are the performances, and how do you want people to group together to make decisions? Do you think those should be physically documented? Yes, because that's how. That's how all this. Is, that's how you develop parallel structure within a company. Should we have a Google Doc that is the voice first manual, and then we just are building that right now? Yeah. Very slowly. Yeah. Like. Why since, don't we do it like a video? Or is that not a thing? Nah. Hmm? Would it be better to do a video? Like, hey, no, watch this ten minute I'd say video. I have a document. Because no, okay, a document, or you have a video of what everyone in the company. A document. It's just easier to read everybody can look at it and be like, all right, these are, it's, all, it's only five. Like you're not going overwhelming and making like a hundred. You have like five principles that are yeah. contingent on your company. And those are the five things people operate. What would those be? Uh, I think just make it a website. It's contingent, like, all right. No, no, what are the principles? Let's see the principles. Some stuff you could do is um, you're a professional, you're not a family, you're a professional sports team, so. If no, if every, if nobody's, if people are not performing, you kick them out of the company. But your, your, the whole goal is to understand that everything is meant for voice. Yeah. And not meant for you as an individual. All decisions are meant to impact the company and help grow it. Uh, another thing is freedom and responsibility, and I think that's what you give people already. That's so the first one I'm writing down. Yeah. Freedom and understanding that uh, you can operate the. You're not going to get micromanaged. 
but and you you have the freedom to operate but you're also held accountable to what you do yeah um, another thing you could do is um, continuous innovation where you're a culture that uh, is always working to develop cutting edge in your technology and you're pioneering searching for more in the industry and then the, the probably the most uh, prominent one and, and the most the most essential is uh, customer obsessed which is just you guys understanding that, that was from Amazon fuck yeah yeah everything comes with the customer first in mind and Samir said that dude he's he he has a lot of empathy for the customer one thing that I always loved about working at Amazon was we started all of our sprint conversations with Give me a story of how a customer is possibly going to use this. Tell me from a customer's perspective yeah. how, how 90-year-old Nancy is going to go and interact with this software and, and oh. she's going to understand this. You know, think of mm-hmm. our customers at Amazon is a massive audience. So they're thinking at the extreme, what do those people look like? Yeah. So you ask, what is, who is someone that's going to be using our service? Not like the peak user, but a regular user. What does that look like? How are they finding value out of what you're describing you're about to go and do? You know, when we're talking about using MongoDB versus the JavaScript timestamp, how does the end customer have value from that decision? I don't, I can't really come up with a good story. All right, let's do it's fastest. And yeah. Bro, Ooh. if you, like, the fact that you worked at Amazon, you should just be replicating all their procedures. Bias for action is one of the big ones that I took away from there. Bias for action and a day one mentality. Yeah. Those, those customer, obs- you're right. Customer Describe. obsession is major and I don't leverage that enough. Describe. Day one mentality. Day one mentality is just when you're there on your first day, you are so excited to start working because you know that it's like you're setting the expectation for how everything else is going to move forward. It's your first impression. You're there with a fresh set of eyes and you have nothing but questions and new things to learn. Day two comes and you have bias from day one. You already have experience and Uh you start getting tunnel vision a little bit. Uh The more days you're there, you just start having questions, you start knowing things, and you stop being hungry. Having that day one mentality says, what was new about the experience that I had today? How did it teach me something new? How, how, How can I stay curious? How is this a brand new thing that nobody else has tried before? So when, when, when we're starting a new project or when it's published, this is day one of us being on Google. How does that change us as a company? Being absolutely curious, you know, not thinking this is just another day. Everything is a brand new day in Voice First. Why? What is the new thing that just happened? And how is this just day one of the rest of our lives? Yeah. Dude, that is, that is good. That is good, good, good. So where did you learn those, though? That's Ava. Bezos. That's Amazon. Dude. Well, I don't know about the other Dude. ones. Where'd you get freedom and responsibility? Dude, I just want to say I mean, that, that, that was, like that was great there. right there, what you just said, Pat. Okay, go ahead. So, so, yeah, yeah like... Where did you learn all those? I, mean, I just study like the top CEOs and opens up the book. Let's go. Oh, really? That Ooh, that's a nice notebook, bro. Where'd you get that? Uh, like TJ Maxx. Okay, it's thick. It's like it looks like a Bible, but it's a notebook. These are all the procedures that the top CEOs use and all the common principles of how they build and grow their companies. Wow. I just use this. There you go. Because, but you also like you. You mind? You remember where things are. Like you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like if you the fact, like I watched so many videos that it just became redundant. Yeah. I just picked up. But also, like, is this is this notebook? Is this like a your basically your Bible? Yeah. You yeah. know, this is like, your business Bible. I can look at. There isn't something that a company that is is experiencing that isn't in there. You could. Yeah. This reading this page right now, it feels like something where you can just rip it open to a page, 
and then you just point and then you just like read that thing. Okay, yeah. there's a piece of truth. Like, <laughs> encourage people to be bad and take bets, runs them as experiments, and they will fail, but few successes will cover for the company. That was a random one that I just picked on a random page. This yeah. Is, this is good that stuff. That is straight fire. Yeah. Think about that. Just think about that. Read that again. Read that again. I, I, I'll give you a different page. We got the most powerful value thing is human capital. Yes, bro. I agree. So bro, we got a lot of human. So where are you getting this bro, information? We got a lot of human YouTube capital. YouTube videos. Well, it's what? YouTube videos. videos. Yeah. So you, you're not packing open books. This is coming yes. from people and you're watching it and you're documenting what you're watching in a notebook. Yeah. Like the top CEOs. Do either yeah. you do that when you consume YouTube content? I watch Steve Jobs and Elon Musk videos. Keep a notebook with you and write down what you find important out of the content you consume. Mm, no. I don't Imagine. think I've ever met a person that, that watches YouTube videos you with a notebook. Just I woke like up that. and learned a few things on YouTube every day. This is Tim Ferriss' tribe of type. Yeah, but then again, uh, Tim does say low information diet. Your experience. I think I think like yeah, for sure. you watch the top 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 like Steve Jobs. I know Elon Musk is a little cuckoo right now, but watch him. Just fucking watch him. Okay, I'm obsessed with him. Fucking just watch him. Sorry, I'm taking the effort a lot. It's good. I've been swearing. Yeah, I want to emphasize that. That was a. He's a rare human. There aren't many. Okay, bring me back. What did Pat say way. before I started talking? What was I talking about? I don't look at any of those guys as any different than us. They're human beings, huh? They just have the discipline to study yep. the shit. Okay. It's not like these yes. are... Because you said YouTube. Have, you put a magic wand on them. Yep. They just studied it, yeah. and they were disciplined enough to yeah. study it day in and day out. Yeah. It's like what makes LeBron such a good athlete. Like, yep. the dude just trains every day. He's also what LeBron. What makes Kobe so good. They just train yeah. every day. There's, yeah, no, yeah. there's no secret recipe to this shit. Yeah. It's just like, who's, who's going to stick it out and who's not? Yeah. Exactly. What did you notice about entrepreneurs that stuck out to you? Like, what did they spend their time on that regular people or people that aren't running massive businesses wouldn't do? It's just their daily habits. Like, um, the most, it, it just comes down to what your daily habits are and how disciplined you are. And, like, as you're growing, Another thing that they all understand is that they know what they don't know. And then they put a team around them that complements, mm -hmm. uh, that can complement their weaknesses. Yeah. And so once they do that and they have the smartest people around them, they are able to know what to do. But it really just comes down to habits and discipline. Yeah. And dude. And then, yeah, knowing what you don't know and then throughout every phase, you have to reinvent yourself. Uh-huh. Forget who you were. When I was working at Uptake, Steve Jobs, the uh, founder of Groupon started Uptake. And the big thing that he said is every time you gain a new zero, the entire way that the company works yeah. is gonna change. It's fucked up, yeah. When you go from one person to 10 people, yeah. the entire way the company works yeah. changes. When you go uh -huh. from 10 people, to 100 people, yeah. the entire, how people communicate, yeah. how you guys deal with things, you know, when we start, we can message people and pay them through Venmo. When we have a hundred people and people from you different countries, you gotta, you gotta do other things. Bop, bop, bop. When you get to a thousand yeah. people, it's entirely different, 10K. And As you scale, your system will break. Yeah. It'll break. I just read you have to reinvent the processes within that system. Yeah. Like building a muscle. Sustain the growth. Ah. Like you flex it real Boom. hard when you're working yeah. out and then it tears down the muscle, but that gives it the ability to regrow and then come exactly. back strong. Oh yeah. Exactly. 
Yeah. This stuff's universal. Like it's a, it's everywhere. Best lessons come from nature. Yeah. Repeat it. Repeat it. Repeat that. We repeat that. The best thing. lessons come from nature.